Disrupting Worship, the podcast, is a set of conversations about the future of gathered worship. In the midst of struggle and tragedy, lockdown has offered us an unprecedented opportunity to pause, reflect and reshape what it looks like to meet with God, the world and one another. Okay, so it's lovely to be here with Hannah and with Pete. Uh, Guys, why don't you just give us the one minute version of who you are, where you are, what you're doing. Okay, great. Hi, I'm Hannah Hodges. Um, I'm a lecturer at Nexus Institute of Creative Arts in Coventry, and we have higher education degree courses in popular music and worship, songwriting and event technology. I'm also a master's student at London School of Theology, studying integrative theology. Excellent. Um, I'm Pete Phillips. I'm a research fellow at Durham University looking at digital theology. That's my kind of area. Um, and I also w- work with Premier Christian Media as their head of digital theology. Um, and we've also got an, a course in uh, the MA in digital theology that we now run at Spurgeon's, um, where I've been teaching this week as well. And Hannah, how has your life changed? I mean, I'm seeing, obviously there's the teaching, but also you're a worship leader as well. You're normally standing up in front of people singing. How's, how have things changed for you? Yeah, um, so I'm a worship leader at uh, St. Mark's Coventry, which is a HDB plant. So we've got a fairly sizable congregation, very much uh, used to the kind of contemporary charismatic gathered worship. Um, Corporate singing is very much a thing that's kind of championed at my church. Mm. Um, And I'll be honest, I mean, when that... Uh, when we went into lockdown initially, we all just lost our heads a little bit completely. <laughs> it was a bit embarrassing, actually. <laughs> um, and as again, for my job as well, when I was kind of um, planning the curriculum that I had to do for my module, you know, I talk a lot about corporate singing and talk about the, the you know, the unifying theological implications of corporate singing and how that important, how important that is. And then we're suddenly faced with the reality of, well, we can't do that anymore. Um, and so it was definitely, I mean, uh, I'm definitely, I'm not like Pete and that, you know, uh, digital theology is not really my world as such, but um yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a very shaking thing, I think, mm. for, for everyone, really, um, yeah. you know, to be faced with this. Yeah. And Pete, as with your kind of kind of bird's eye view a little bit, what do you think are some of the stages that sort of the responses that churches have taken as we're obviously, you know, a year into this now? How, how have kind of churches, what do they initially do? And then where, mm. where are we more at now? I mean, I think... Um, there's a book by Heidi Campbell called The Distance Church, mm. um, in which I've got a paper um, that I did three weeks into lockdown. Wow. Um, and I kind of picked up then, I thought that, that we were going to go through three stages and or had noticed already three stages. One is kind of enabling normal worship to happen. So kind of putting a camera in front of the worship band um or uh, and the pool you know or or halfway back in the church so you could just map the the stage um on one camera and then kind of replicating that on youtube and that's kind of just doing what we normally did um then kind of people began to extend that as they thought hold on a minute it's not about performance it's about community Mm. um and so they began to kind of look at ways in which they could bring uh more community-based things and social-based things into the services um but i think quite soon we got onto the kind of disrupting level um that actually we wanted to say hey hold on a minute why are we just replicating what we can do 
in mm. church why don't we try and do new types of things um and so you know people doing kind of agapes online or mm. um people kind of doing morning prayer in different ways and bringing ritual into morning prayer um doing it online and so on so so lots of new fashion things that are happening all over the place mm. so and so and i think i think i've seen that across we've also kind of switched from youtube and facebook as kind of some of the norms to the zoom church being very very important yeah, yeah. Um, because zoom you can talk to one another you can kind of have these kind of conversations um and different people can contribute so you you don't have to have the vicar preaching all the time it can be the or minister it can mm. be somebody from the zoom community um you know i I'm, we're part of a 6 30 service which is much more charismatic and so people can give words of knowledge and you know you can just relax in spirit and it's just it's just absolutely fantastic and it's like real I was gonna say like real church (laughs) it is real church it's just so good to kind of feel that God is present in this medium Mm. as well as he can be in physical buildings as well yeah for sure. I think that just to jump on the back of yeah. that, that's the question that's very that I've been very much confronted with and our church leadership team have been very much confronted with of what was our previous idea of normal or what was real church before yeah. this moment. And if, um, if our current practices aren't being able to be relayed onto the way that we do church now, then they're not very good, are they? <laughs> they? We should see kind of all church, all worshippers, real church, whether that's online, scattered or gathered, you know? Yeah. yeah. Have you had that in your experience as a vicar, Grace, like that, some of those journey and those questions? Yeah, I think um, I've uh, got a, quite a small church, so we definitely decided not to add a cure at the time, we decided not to stream because we thought there were so many other people doing it and so much better. And in the first mm-hmm. lockdown, I saw it as an opportunity for my congregation to explore the global church from the comfort of their living room. Hmm. So, so that was more um, encouraging that. But I really picked up what Pete said about that disrupting. And and, um, and I, think that was, I think that's where I was from quite early on, thinking, what's the point in me just doing something they just see me doing it in the building it's just it's a different medium so mm-hmm. see what works best in that medium and then that led us to to um I do a guided prayer on Instagram live uh once mm. a week on a Wednesday in the morning and in in the evening that really came about from that desire that I knew that there were some members not members people I knew who just were not connecting with anything we're offering not mm. connecting with the post thing through the post not connecting with zoom just but, you know, and so I was aware that they're on Instagram all the time. Mm. Um, and so that has become a little community has formed and people can, when you're live, they, you know, they have the emojis or they put in their prayer requests and it's become quite a beautiful thing. And I'm thinking, actually, I want that to continue in some way. And I think that's what I found most exciting, seeing how people have used the disruption mm. to be creative. And I think you're right. I did see that we were just transmitting and now as people have got, got confidence or they've got bored of it, they're thinking, actually, there's, there's, um, there is so much more. So, yeah, so I, I can echo that. And I think that's what I find exciting when I look at different platforms, what people are doing on different platforms. So my youth worker's talking about something called Among Us, some chat room thingy, <laughs> so, which is all <laughs> us over my head. So And, uh, and so they're now, um, with Youthscape, they're looking at doing this whole wellness package yeah. through Among Us. Um, and wow. for young people, how about is they said they find it easier to text than they do to 
talk physically. And it's not to say that we should always perpetuate that, but just aware of it in that time. So yeah, I think Pete, you're right. There is now um, an embracing of the disruption. I think maybe in that mm. first lockdown, we were kind of holding our breath thinking, oh, how long? And I think, you know, once we got to October, we realised we're in it for the long haul. And mm. and and I think people maybe ex- exhaled and said, OK, how can I embrace this um, yeah. in, a, in a creative way? But uh, they've been, um, Pete, do you see a sense of what trends, well, I don't trends, it's not trends of worshipping God, but some <laughs> practices that you think, you know, I really hope, we would we hold on to that or lessons that you really hope that the church it doesn't become a fad so we, we go back to when mm. we can have so let's for example I, I look on Australia and I'm, I'm jealous of Australia because already you know <laughs> some parts of Australia they're gathering together and they can meet in rooms and all that kind of stuff so I just wonder Pete are there some bits of this disruption that you think actually you know what I really pray that we'll hold on to, to some of these treasures that we've discovered in such darkness yeah I think I think um I mean, I think we. I, I really wish we'd hold on to the whole lot, mm. um, because I think there are different audiences that we're kind of talking about here. Um, digital actually enables everybody to come and gather, or most people to come and gather. I know there's a digital divide, and you know, as soon as I begin to say that, everyone will jump on and say, "Hey, hold on, about you know, old people don't come on and stuff like that." Um, but but actually, we've. Physical churches lock out a lot of people as well. Um, those who are mm-hmm. too scared to come to church, those who are too disabled, uh, those who um, have long-term illnesses, or simply, you know, afraid of COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, or afraid it be. of church in and of itself. Afraid of church. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, so online is perhaps a safer place because they can kind of be in the the comfort of their own living room and I mean comfort in psychological comfort of their living room um they're they're in a place they can control um and they can choose whether to be online you know visible or not and so on Mm. so so lots of ways in which this provides a safe place and that, that people can come to um but but so so I think that's really important but I think what we'll what we'll probably see is um a shift towards discipleship being online so prayer prayer meetings bible studies that kind of stuff so we don't have to go out in the evenings and so on i think that will become more and more normative on zoom mm. um or, or on on online and you know we'll probably go back to physical in-house church the question is whether we'll actually change what we did in church um in order to map on some of the online stuff into that will we be more about community you know, because because physical church wasn't a pleasant place sometimes. <laughs> you go to church and never never speak to anybody. Mm. Uh, it's not this place of buzzing community always for all of us. Um, and you sit there for a whole hour looking at the back of somebody else's head. Mm. Um, you know, and so 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 you know we've got to kind of think. There's lots of different ways of doing it. And the other thing that I think is really important is the missional element. Um, you know. Our, our polls at Durham University of Savannah Comres were that between 24 and 28 percent of people had viewed online worship um, regularly during the period uh, during the summer. Now that's when we weren't in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big number when our normal attendance at church is about four percent. Mm. You know, 24 to 28 is massive. Yeah. Um, and so you know we might jump might go back and say i mean as a as a theologian who studies the church i think that's a phenomenal number and i don't believe it 
Okay, I think I think it's just too good to be believed that a quarter of the population is doing that, is is attending worship. So I took it to some data scientists here at Durham, at, in student MA group and everything, and they looked at the data and they looked at the poll and everything. They said, "You're just being too skeptical. You, you're saying this is an aspiration. They're as, they're aspiring to go to worship. Why ever would a load of secular young people aspire to go to worship? They aspire to run away from your worship." <laughs> um, these figures may be, may be even downplayed rather than exaggerated. Um, so, so how do we please all these people? How do we please the people who are scared of coming to physical church? How do we please the people who are online viewers, kind of anonymous viewers of what we're doing? And how do we please the four million people who come to church regularly, um, who want to go back to online church? Uh, sorry, uh, in-person church. Mm. And I'm just not sure. I, I don't want to be a worship leader. Um, I don't know how you're going to do it, Hannah. Um, <laughs> but but how, how do we do that and kind of balance those different congregations? My my church, for instance, uh, as an almost immediate answer to, um, to that question of what my church has done, at least, is that we... Um, we purchased quite a lot of live streaming equipment so we now live stream all of our services from the building and that happens on youtube um, and that was very much a kind of deliberate choice and investment from our senior leadership because they they saw the numbers and the views on our church services going astronomically up kind of over the week um, we've been running kind of online alpha as well online connect groups and those have been incredibly instrumental in bringing many more new people to our church um, and so I know the plan is for when we do eventually return to in-person services we're going to do both our church is going mm -hmm. to live stream the live services so we'll have kind of a live uh, congregation as it were plus online yeah and that seems to be what's happening across the world that about right, you know yeah. um, up to two-thirds of the churches are saying we're going to continue digital in some way mm -hmm. um, Barna's poll recently came out um, in saying those figures there, it's happening in Singapore and Australia and what have you. So, so that sense that the church does want to keep on going because, because this is a missional thing, you know, that the, the, there's people who are connecting so powerfully, um, and especially the younger generations as well. Um, you know, in that Savanta Comrades poll, it was um, in the um, 35 and under adults. Um, there were up to 48% that those people were attending, um, which is just incredible. But they're the ones who are online all the time. Mm. Yep. Mm. And so we can't abandon digital when so many people in our society are adopting digital. Mm. It's the means of communication, society development, mm. network society. Pete, what do you have to say for, okay, um, the, the solo minister who doesn't have a worship leader and uh, that, that those resources and is mm. might listen to this and just think either just feels a wave of guilt or inadequacy or I hear you but I don't know you know where, where do they because you could end up having another a, a digital divide within let's say the, within the Church of England you have, mm. you've got it already you've got some really well-resourced churches that have in a way have yeah. all, who were naturally pivoting to this anyway mm. so this was just a, a kind of a, a final push to that to that this way of kind of um, expressing church and then you have others where this is it's, they're having to be dragged but they're not sure and also they're, they're thinking oh, it's, it's only me and a cat and the dog um <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah, so, me? so so what 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 do you see is there is, are you seeing things going on in that kind of undergrowth you could say or words of wisdom or encouragement for because there's many solo ministers of different denominations who 
who are on their own and just wondering, I, I just don't know how I can even begin. Yeah, I think the first thing I say is well done for getting through lockdown. Um, you know, if, if, we're get, if, we're, if we're getting towards the end of it now, or perhaps by summer, as soon as Boris said, you know, we should be okay for Easter, everyone said, let's cancel Easter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and now he's saying it's all about summer, and oh my goodness, <laughs> we're going to have, are we gonna have Christmas. <laughs> but, uh, so first of all, first of all, we need to, um, we need to really care for our clergy and our, our ministry teams all over the place, because mm. they've done, they've done wonderful, wonderful work. Mm. Um, and, and those who are on their own in ministry have done, a superb work as well mm. those who've really survived lockdown will have brought a team of people around them um people from their community and the congregation who kind of dabble in, dabble in tech or something like that or know how to point an iphone in the right direction um and they, that will have helped them so they'll have built up their own kind of worship team and their tech team and so on um, i mean i think it does mean that we're going to have to look more and more to people um whose day jobs are in tech or younger people who live tech um, that are able to be brought into into our ministry teams i don't think it's possible to do ministry on your own if you're trying to do both in person and oh, i mean all worship is in person um, <laughs> on site and online worship yeah if you try and do both i think you need a team around you to do it so you can kind of split responsibilities and you know simply simply survive Mm. Uh, but that might be that we actually need to join churches together to, to do um, different things in different places. So, you know, for for two smaller churches to come together so that you can both have an online ministry and an off, um, on-site ministry, um, if that's going to work. Um, we need to bring more creatives in, people who can uh, help us to imagine new ways of doing church and you know the disruption I kind of think about as being kind of you know turning the soil over in the garden what's mm. going to pop up and are you going to plant seeds in it to so you have a kind of a rose garden or a herb garden or something that kind of mm. disruption um so so build teams of creatives around you mm. um so that so that more and more can be done um but also if you kind of if you really are stuck on your own try and do the simple things um like what you're doing with the instagram prayer thing that's just fantastic um you know i, I know um uh, a vicar up in um liverpool who just thought right well i'll just do morning prayer um and, and you know she's grown to hundreds of people come and do morning prayer with her every day mm. um you know, and loads of vicars are saying that they do morning prayer and they used to get, you know, one person in their cold church on a Sunday morning, on a, you know, midweek morning for morning prayer. But now 50, 60 people are sharing with them every day. Mm. And I think it's keeping it simple, keeping it manageable within what you can do and not allowing yourself to be burnt out mm. by everybody else's yeah, needs. Mm. Um, but yeah, ha, 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 you know, sorry. I was going to say sustainability seems to me to be an absolute keyword you know we were first saying what is possible and i feel like now we have to be saying what is sustainable what could we actually do for two or five years rather than you know mm. those incredible i have friends who did incredibly high quality you know music and visuals and it was everything was freshly recorded every week and then you know they got four months in and collapsed because it yeah. just wasn't sustainable yeah how about you hannah yeah, I, I totally agree. I think 
Um, where there's an opportunity to champion participation, that's the mm. thing that we should be going for. Um, whether you're, you know, whether you're that lone minister in the small church or whether you're a huge mega church, we should be looking for opportunities to, to, um, to really spot those people in your congregation that can serve in a new way that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to before, especially in this time when we're really having to draw on each other. I know, yeah, as you say, Sam, our worship pastor um, was exhausted by May this time last year because of, you know, just the sheer amount of work that he took on in tackling things like recording individual instruments, mixing them all together. If you're filming yourself, then, you know, creating those videos, putting that on a Sunday and someone's got to put the whole service together and you've got to think about words and there's just so many things that you wouldn't even consider that mm. go into something like this. So uh, yeah, I guess that's what I'd say. Champion participation, reach out to people. Yeah, and, and all the time we're all kind of craving that kind of interconnectedness with people mm. in live situations. You know, so, uh, you know, my my daughter's a worship leader, and she's saying to me, you know, months ago, Dad, I'm just not used to singing to the singing to an iPhone in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to lead people in worship. That's what God's called me to. Mm. Um, but I can't see them. And, mm. and you know, how, how do I do that? What's going on? So how have you done that, Hannah, as a, as a sung worship leader? What's your, <laughs> you know, what's your journey in that? I guess, um, I guess when I lead worship in person... I can't actually tell anyway if people are actually connecting. <laughs> like to an extent, obviously I can see there's the very obvious outward signs of people perhaps like raising their hands or, you know, actually singing and like actually praying out loud. But even if someone's got all of those outward actions, I can't actually see the heart process or I can't actually really tell what God's doing in their life. And so when I've I've led worship online um, and that's just been to a camera, I I have absolute faith and confidence that the Lord is doing things in people's mm. hearts, whether I can see them or not, because he does that anyway when I'm in person. Mm. Yeah, so I guess I've just tried to, as confidently as possible, <laughs> pretend that everyone is with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think what Grace was saying at the beginning about allowing, um, allowing her church to kind of go and explore. Um, I think that, you know, the churches around here where I live, one of the networks closed down kind of went on sabbatical mm. um and i was a bit kind of what <laughs> what's going on here um and and kind of f- for me the kind of you know a month a year away from that i kind of think actually the and this kind of goes back to what you said hannah in the end this is god's work not ours mm. you know we god believe in, in god god's mission yeah. Um, not our mission we join him in what he's doing uh, and and the big thing that i've one of the big things i found on in my own research is that god's in the wild mm. i mean he, he he he's out there um doing fantastic work um and, and in a way we're running always always after him mm. yeah sometimes you can get into this kind of protestant work ethic that says no 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 i've got to do this for god you know, I've got to run the church. I've got to run it, run superb online worship. I've got to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Uh, and perhaps God's calling us to something less mm. um, so that he can do something more. <laughs> you know that? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I so relate to that. Up. 
I'm yeah. so grateful for this period, actually, for what it's birthed in my church's worship team. We have never, it's sad, but we have never utilised scripture in a way that we have before this season, just because we've been faced with the reality of we have to choose methods of worship that we can engage people in. And so we've turned to things like Lectio Divina and writing Psalms together um, and just getting different people to pray out and share testimonies. And it's been so enriching. I honestly, it's been amazing. It's obviously been very difficult and I really miss, um, you know, in-person worship, but the things that we've drawn out as a team are invaluable. And I can echo that as well, Hannah. So, mm. you know, for my guided prayer, you know, it would just be me and one other person doing morning prayer and to to, to a regular, you know, good number and people keeping in touch. And then we do what we do a compline on Zoom every Thursday. And that's become like a little home group, you mm. know, and a new leader has emerged from that you know, who's just blossoming and just loves leading it and gets so much out of it. And she, and, you know, and I just thought because of, yeah, it's just, and you can see people are, their, their prayer life has, has, has been transformed um, through this. And so while I wish we hadn't to go through it, I can echo that actually it has <laughs> right. been transformation in, in the My Worshipping community and some, and, uh, and, and deeper engagement. And I suppose what, picking up what you said, Pete, about, going forward those are bits I don't want to lose mm. um you know want, I want to build on them and I can see that you know probably Compton on Thursday will carry on for the foreseeable future because you know no no one's going to come out at nine o'clock at night <laughs> in January <laughs> but you know finished work and I put the kids to bed you know uh, from the comfort mm. of my home I can do that and I can check in with people before I go to bed and see how mm. things are going so so yeah I I I I can I can echo that and also simple things I was just thinking about um we do a, a prayer we put a prayer line it's my curates idea before she left we've got a prayer line and uh and and I I'm a mate people do use it they just I don't know who they are they'll just text me can you pray for wow. you know that and sometimes we mustn't underestimate the good old phone <laughs> as it was intended <laughs> for yeah. and it was intended for phone calls but we mustn't underestimate that is that is a part of the technology. So, so you know, we put it on a church near you and the website, and you know, people text me, "Can you pray for so and so and so and so?" And that's been that's been a real privilege. And so, I'd encourage that to people, maybe who listen to this. It doesn't. Yes, there's there's lots of simple technology. You underestimate the good old text message or the good old phone that um that can connect people. But yeah, it has like you. It's been a delight in a way to see um, people growing in faith um, and in this in this wilderness um season yeah. but mm. Pete, i wanted to pick up about god in the wild are there um with your bird's eye view are there's kind of way out stuff that's beyond the zoom and the you know the normal you could say digital offering is there are you aware of quite experimental stuff that's going on out there that people are experimenting with in terms of faith yeah i mean th there's whole loads of stuff going on you know from kind of um youth groups doing minecraft worship and stuff like that wow. um which which is incredibly good um there, there's you know the there's um i wrote a little brove booklet called hybrid church in which um some people kind of catalogued what they were doing um, my friend joe cox darling up in codsall um simply put a kind of um easel child's easel outside of a garage uh, garden gate as it were um every sunday with different things on it and actions like a cup of tea uh tea bags so you could go and have a cup of tea or badges to 
to you know support NHS staff and so on, um, or prayer cards and that, those kind of things. Um, a Catholic priest in Malta, where he and his priest walked into the village in pilgrimage and then started doing a, a recitation of the rosary um, in the middle of the village. And all the young people were then tasked to go and get their older relatives onto the iPads and everything and computers. And then they came out on their balconies with their <laughs> computers to begin to kind of do this rosary with them. Um, and that, that kind of idea that, you know, this old Catholic priest and this young guy who's a kind of gamer and what have you, he's now a priest <laughs> over there, um, joining together and coming to the people to, mm. to bring God to them, but in a way that they they were used to doing it. Um, so, 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 yes, there's loads and loads of experimentation going all over the place. Perhaps not enough, um, mm. because I think that's, because we're used to the old way, you know, the normal ways, the ways that we're happy to do it. And, you know, I, I want to mention Mark Pewitt. I think it's Mark Pewitt, um, Rediscover Church in Exeter. Um, you know, they they kind of do, they, they share um, communion every single day at 6.30 in the morning online. The whole oh. church will come onto a Zoom meeting and share bread and wine. And then they'll have five minutes of speaking in tongues together. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they move on to something else in the day. And then, so it's kind of, they're doing everything together and they kind of they form this kind of mega community mm. and suddenly loads of people are coming and joining them in that uh, and connecting back in with what they're doing mm. so it's um and 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 zoom coffee mornings um you know that you kind of set up a zoom coffee shop and then invite people to come and have a cup of coffee with you and then a few of them might go to a different table so you set up a breakout room for them and so on so all these wonderful things that are happening so cool. Do you think there's a sense in which a point may come you you have to let are we going to have to let some of our on-site church go to make more capacity for what is new and because there is a point you can't you can't you, you can't be yeah I yeah I just wonder if in that there's going to have to be a transition where churches may have to make would there be difficult decisions but that is so that they can walk into a greater freedom let's say or it or to reach a new set of people do you perceive that there, there may be a time when yeah. that, those difficult conversations may have to happen i think so i mean uh, you, you can't say for what, what's happening in the different churches because because you know the, there was all the stuff in the press last week about um churches being cut back and so on mm. but it's actually happening in some of our some of the you know in the smaller denominations um which in in which kind of this period has forced them to close down because they've not had any collection. Mm. Um, you know, they've not had any money coming in through services or lettings, but the building's still there costing money. And that's bankrupted a whole load of churches. Mm. So, you know, it's likely in this area of herd network that will go from about 16 churches down to five. Um, now, now, that's a lot of places going kind of left without worship but it means a stronger team can come together um that, that can then do different things and so one of the churches might take on online you know another church might take on um you know the food bank and um social outreach stuff and everything another church might take on the more kind of discipleship stuff and so kind of diversifying within networks i think will be will become more and more normal we were seeing that already weren't we the kind of resourcing churches um, in the Church of England um, and I think that might develop more um, mm. but I think as well it's 
the lockdowns forced us outward looking. So we're no longer looking at this kind of um, come to us kind of attractional Christianity. I think it's really a case of saying we're about community. How do we get that community out there? And how can you be part of our community and help us build? And how do we take authentic community into that place? Because from what I've experienced and what a lot of my friends have experienced, um, I'm very much digital native. And so my friends and I have always, at least definitely in the kind of last few years, have experienced there's a, there's almost a surplus of online church services and online worship services. So I've got a lot of friends at the moment who are not connected into any local church and they don't actually have any sense of community mm. because they, whilst they might be, you know, they'll, they'll do half an hour of this church in Australia and then they'll do the worship service at this church in America. And then maybe they'll, you know, join the, um, like the prayer Instagram stream from this church and, um, which is great and you know there's such a a variety of things to be consumed out there but um i do think it it, it's working out how can we take our authentic selves and our authentic church community into this place without feeling the need to conform to what everyone else is doing because at least um a lot of my friends i know they are hungering (laughs) for real in church experience when that does come back because you have that sense of authenticity which you just you can't really attain you don't really there's just the little things like being around families and being around people who are a different age than you actually talking to someone in person and all the experiences that you miss out on um yeah so taking our kind of authentic church community into that place yeah. Hannah, how? Because you talked about how you've, you've really your church has really embraced streaming and mm. the numbers. So, what have been the ways in which you've sought to do that? You know, and so you know you might have that person who's just I don't know stalking you. If you know what I'm saying, I know that's, that's probably a, <laughs> but you know just to me. Someone who's you know how how have you have you started exploring what it is to from someone who's seeking online yeah. to someone to starting a conversation? Uh, have you had have you started to explore what that might look like? What that is you know. Might there be different pathways or have been successes or failures? In, not that there's any failures, but do you know what I mean? What have been learning points? In yeah, that? for sure. <laughs> Many learning points. Um, I think, I mean, my church in particular is kind of, um, it's, a, it's a city centre resource church. And so it's very much kind of got a seeker-friendly mm-hmm. um outlook I, I suppose on everything that we do so you know we push alpha every single Sunday there's always um the the host kind of acknowledging if you're new here today then you can follow this link and you know sign up mm. to alpha and you can join this connect group and there'll be someone in the comments as well like always catching up and um yeah I mean my church is very hot on those kind of things mm. I think the learning point that we've really taken from this and the balance that has to happen is Again, I think how much do you cater to seekers to the point of potentially losing your authenticity? So a lot of stuff that we've kind of walked through as a worship team of um, is Lectio Divina seeker friendly? Let's talk about that together. <laughs> so that's been that's a hotly debated topic at my church at the moment. Um, and just kind of working through little things of what what's authentic to us and what can bring people in without without losing that essential part of who we are as a church and 
over compromising in a way almost does that make sense yeah, yeah it does yeah. Totally. it has to be a balance yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I can't remember there's ladies it's not was in the church times just talking about how um the church has to realize we can't compete with mm. when it comes to online stuff we just she mentioned one church and possibly can but she said for the rest of us we just cannot compete with right. um other uh, social media key influencers or businesses or you know what i mean you know we just we don't have the resources whatever and so she was just encouraging churches to you know stick to our doctrine yeah. <laughs> and, and not so be afraid yeah. to talk yeah. about jesus and yeah, said yeah. it's yeah. a very odd story and yeah. uh, and own that odd story yeah. and yeah. declare that odd story we should say that this time has also been awful for many many people yeah. and there's been so much tragedy but also just this low level struggle and difficulty and and all this stuff and i know you know for church leaders and for, for worship leaders it's, it's been some really hard times but I think within that there just are all these glimmers of hope and, and signs yeah. of of new fruit and or just you know new new tiny uh, seedlings just starting to jump up. So for you both, of you guys, what what's the things that are now just bubbling up or you're excited about as we kind of move forward? I think uh, if, if I'll go first, I'm actually in a way encouraged and excited by and now let me word this correctly um, the the drive to acknowledge lament and mm. the drive to acknowledge this season of grief for what it's been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about Psalm 84 of we we celebrate the springs and the places of life that are kind of brought up as the people of God journey through that valley of Baca, of that, mm. that place of weeping and place of suffering. But um, if, if anything, I think I've really appreciated that willingness to be vulnerable with each other and to acknowledge the situation of yes this is this is really really hard mm. let's sing about that let's take that um and let's run with that and the amount of i think the amount of intimacy that that has created within us as a community mm. um and feeling that freedom to be able to somewhat express that and to acknowledge that has just been has been a blessing in in this time of difficulty. Awesome, thank you. How about you, Pete? I think I kind of, I mean, the fact that I've kind of, um, in America, 81% of people say they want to get, they think it's really, really important for churches to meet together. But, mm -hmm. and, and so they're kind of going through this process of kind of grieving that they're not meeting together um, and some kind of battling against them actually meeting together. But, but regardless of their anxiety about online church, 71% of American Christians say they've grown throughout the, mm. the pandemic and they've spiritually grown through the pandemic and I think that's the case here as well Amazing. that mm. that you know that the, despite the lament despite the horrors of lockdown and the the mental health issues that so many people have had uh, and the the tremendous loss 120,000 people yeah. um, dead you know and we've not really lamented them at all you know, we've not really had a national mm. moment of mourning or, you know, the, the clap's not good enough. Mm. Um, there has, you know, the church needs to do something. We need to have a memorial service or a memorial march or something when, mm. when it comes up. But but despite all that, we, we've we we've got here. Um, and and there's the sense that God's been with us. God's, God's been taking us on a journey and Lord, look, taught us so many new things um, and new skills and and so kind of has he prepared us in a way 
for what will be his new normal, God's normal. Um, and and what will that new normal be? Uh, and how do we take the nation on? You know, we're in a way that we've seen a new generation arise, the millennials and everything, um, many of whom are petrified by the extinction um, event that we're part of. Mm. Uh, but what has the church got to say to that? Because that'll be our next crisis. Mm. You know, we'll, we'll leave the pandemic behind and we'll be faced by millennial anxiety about whether we are becoming extinct. Mm. You know, that, that whether whether there will be any life on earth um and are are we as a church so focused upon getting through the pandemic that we're missing the opportunity to 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 have that conversation Mm. when we're out of it Mm. and yeah yeah, there are so many more things as well and i think (laughs) more than ever i think in the in this last year the church was really confronted with uh, I can't look away from the news right now. And for all the things that happened last year, definitely in my church, there was this sense of urgency to address everything that was going on in the world with the, um, you know, the racial justice protests that were happening all over the world, really, and the mm. humanitarian crisis that was happening happening in Yemen. And we had all this stuff and it just felt like the world was exploding. And mm. uh, at least in my congregation, it certainly felt like, our congregation was crying out to the church if we need to be first responders in this situation we need to have a stance on this um and so i think that's a somewhat of of a blessing and a curse at the same time but a blessing i think in that it's opened the church's eyes for the need to be able to be present in the world and address what's going on Mm. So, so that means that kind of our worship life is going to be different, isn't it? In that kind of yes. new setting, that our song's going to have to change yeah. and shift. Um, and, you know, the people that we ask to be leading and, you know, in places of power need to shift and so on. Mm. And, and you know, that I just think there's going to be a great new age for the church, mm. um, you know, because because it's going to be so transformed mm. in God's new normal. Um, yeah, that that's quite exciting to look forward to. Mm. If we can have sleep. <laughs> yeah, perhaps more nimble. Yeah, more nimble. I, I, I think we, um, we've got a bit too big and fat. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not mean to be sizeist, but um, <laughs> when you're at a certain age, you, when you're start, when an organisation's at a certain size, it just can't be that first responder, Hannah, because there's just so much stuff. And I just think through this, we're gonna the local church is, is gonna is learning to be more nimble, mm. uh, to have to pivot. And we're gonna, I think you're right. We're gonna have to keep pivoting again and again. You know, there's there's gonna be the other crises, as you said. You know on the horizon um and uh, and and so we're having to shed things actually we thought were you know worthy preoccupations we're having to think actually no we haven't, we haven't got the capacity for that this is where we're having to to have to put our energies but i think you know it will it will enable us to engage better in guerrilla warfare i think mm. when you've got a smaller unit you can you, you can you, there's certain things you can do when you're in a, a smaller and leaner um yeah mm. uh, in, in a way and i just think we're going to have to have those those skills i think as we we navigate uh this century that's i think it's going to be a very uncertain century in terms of yeah. I, think, I don't think we're in, I think in the era of that longevity of kind of peace and stability that the west has experienced is i, don't, I think that we're in a new era now of of uncertainty and and through that, hopefully the church will may emerge brighter and 
shine them and will give people that hope in the midst of changing um, upheavals, whether it's the climate change or economic change or migration change and, and things like that. And so you're totally right, our worship is gonna have to be in step with that somehow. And how do you do worship that enables people to engage with that pain when actually they want to flee from that pain. Mm. <laughs> so there's going to be some of that tension in which you, you, we want to cast our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus, but also within mm. that, you know, he did not shy away from the cross. So there's a, so I can see that tension leading worship about how we don't want it to become this escapism because everything around me is collapsing. So yeah. I'm coming here and you're talking about that authentic self, isn't it? Yes, mm. exactly. And, and authentic he- self. And I think that's going to, I think I'm hoping that there will be, my congregation will be better at just saying, no, this really sucks. Mm. So what does worship look like when it, I'm suffering from, I'm fed up with, with, with that. And yeah, so I, I think I'm excited about that actually. And I think that's where the church will be its authentic self when it says it is hard um, mm. and we're going to sing through that with the Psalms are going to help us or, you know, they're going to, you know, new anthems will arise from that. Exactly. Sorry. And just to bring it back to that original point that we made of being your authentic self, knowing who you are and what you're capable of, because even as we've just kind of said, there's all the crises going on in the world right now. That's exhausting to have to try and feel like you need to address every single thing. And like we said about having the best service and the best live stream and, Mm. you know, I have an answer to everything that's going on in the world. We don't have an answer to everything. (laughs) And we can be so authentic about that. And I think Mm. That actually will be the thing that draws people in mm. of that thing of acknowledging this is a really tough season let's grieve let's lament let's address these things as we feel able to and empowered by the holy spirit but we do that in an authentic way together mm. as a community two world situations kind of come to mind first of all going to a church in um midwest america um where they had uh, about a hundred and more people in over homeless and they were cooking them Sunday lunch and everything and the worship was happening in the kitchen yeah and people were just worshiping as they were working and preparing mm. this meal and so on and this sense of you know the worship just flooding out of the kitchen mm. in both practical help but also this kind of praise and everything and then the homeless people picking that up and so on that was just wonderful um but then also the people in hong kong um singing um, the songs, um, singing the songs of Zion as they protest, mm. yeah, uh, and the sense of it, it, when worship becomes part and parcel of our action, rather than something that we reserve for Sunday morning, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, that, yeah. so that so that it feeds into into our authenticity as well, mm. um, and then to some extent the worship, the worship do the worship that we do on Sunday has to be kind of pulled into our into our action, rather than a special thing for Sunday. Mm. And that's exciting. It's exciting. Mm. Oh, you guys, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, Hannah, um, where can people find out more about you and about Nexus? You can go to nexus-ica.co.uk and everything about Nexus is there and some little bits about me, maybe if you go to the <laughs> staff section. <laughs> but yeah, nexus-ica.co.uk. How about you, Pete? Yeah, if you search for the Centre for Digital Theology, Durham, um, on on Google, then we'll be the top. Um, So just kind of go on there and have a look at what we've been up to. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you being with us. God bless. Thanks, Thanks for the invite. Visit engageworship.org slash disruptingworship 
for reflection questions and links to resources for each episode. You can get in touch with us by email on info at engageworship.org and also via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Engage Worship. Thank you.